Kia ora Aotearoa, it's October 10, I'm Zoe George and this is The Podium, sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. Well, what a weekend! First up we've got all the action from the opening rounds of the Rugby World Cup, we talk Bathurst, Black Caps and Bars and ask why should we really care about women's sport anyway? What an absolute cracking start to the Rugby World Cup on home soil. The opening game saw an emphatic win by France over South Africa, followed by the first outing for Fiji at a Rugby World Cup against favourites England. The Black Ferns and Wallaroos rounded out the action at Eden Park on Saturday. Then yesterday the competition moved to Whangarei with Italy beating former World Cup champs USA, Canada coming home comfortably against Japan and fiery competition between great rivals Wales and Scotland that came down to the one. Wales were eventual winners with a penalty kick in overtime. Joseph Pearson was at Eden Park on Saturday. Kia ora Joe. How incredible, first of all, was it to see Fiji run out for their very first World Cup game? Yeah, that was epic, that first half. They fell away in the second half, I think, as we rather inevitably expected, um, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, obviously the Auckland crowd, there was a lot of Fijians dotted around the ground, really, really raised the roof in that first half, and particularly for that second try when they're only trailing by 12. Yeah, and you could see the talent they have like the and the willingness to run the ball from deep which everyone loves right and it's what makes Fiji and rugby so great but yeah the English press who were in the Eden Park press box were saying they looked jaded and jet lagged and then the second half they didn't did they they completely smashed Fiji in all departments I mean 10 tries in one half is is a frightening uh, response mm. so what was the crowd like the organizers said it was sold out but there were lots of empty seats why was that good question yeah they announced it was a sellout on Friday um, the capacity of 40,000 which isn't Eden Park's full capacity because there was a bit of space for the stage and a few of the areas that were unavailable for fans because they were operational areas, according to the tournament boss, uh, Michelle Hooper. I spoke to her yesterday about this because it was obvious from everyone who was there that by the time it came to the Black Ferns game that it was not sold out um, or didn't look sold out. However, she basically said that uh, nearly 6,000 people who bought tickets didn't turn up. Yeah, that's it really. Let's talk about the Black Ferns. They eventually won 41-17 but those first 20-odd minutes were intense. We were down 17-0 and I had my Australian friends giving me absolute crap about it. Was it just opening World Cup jitters, Joe? I think so. Stage fright was a word that was floating around the um, press box and the, me- and the media zone afterwards as well. Um, they made so many mistakes, like simple just drop balls. I think even the skipper, Ruhe Demand, didn't kick out a penalty, which is a sort of unforgivable mistake at professional level. Yeah, they. It was a massive, massive occasion, and they they spoke about it afterwards very bluntly. The coaches and the players saying we didn't handle the occasion well in the first twenty eight minutes. And to be fair to Australia, you can see the talent they have, and if they throw some resources behind that 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 group of players and that team, they will become a stronger outfit. Well, while watching the game between the Black Ferns and Wallaroos, I happened to bump into Black Ferns Sevens player and Olympic gold medalist Michaela Blyde. As the tension mounted in the first half, I asked her what advice she'd be giving to the Black Ferns at halftime when they were down 12 to 17. Just to play the basics, like it's you don't want to push things, you don't want to try and force things when it's such a high level type of kind of rugby. You know, it's just now they've played that first 40, the, the adrenaline will be down a little bit more, the excitement is controlled, their nerves will be far more controlled right now as well. 
get the ball to Portia Woodman, get the ball to Ruby Tui, get the ball to our strikers who are able to just break the advantage line and cross over the white line. That's all they need to do. And get the ball to Ruby Tui and Portia Woodman is exactly what the Black Ferns did to fight their way back to that 41-17 victory. After the match, Portia Woodman said it was awesome to stand in the tunnel before the game and get a peek at that sellout crowd. But she admits the occasion probably got to the team in the first half and there were a few words of advice from team coach Wayne Smith at halftime. Smithy came out saying, we're breeding out mongrels, so we just got to hit up physically at the get-go, tackles and on attack. Clean-outs, we've got to clean the ruck out and just play fast. Despite the nail-biting start, the match will always be a special memory for Woodman. Definitely a career highlight. To know that I've got all of Ngāpuhi in the crowd, um, I managed to get a whole photo with all my Ngāpuhi crowd, so absolutely phenomenal moment. But now we've started, we've got to get into the next series, next game as Wales up in, um, out at Waitakere. So, Joe. We're playing Wales. Uh, Wales had a very interesting game against Scotland yesterday. Quite scrappy, way too many penalties. I think it was about 16 penalties they gave away to the Scottish. But unfortunately, Scotland were unable to convert those into points. What needs to change for the Black Ferns against the game next weekend? One of the unfortunate things about this tournament is that we are going to start seeing some more lopsided scores now because for, certainly for the Black Ferns, the Black Ferns will just want to, I reckon, for, if, if they have a comfortable first 20 minutes where, where they don't make as many mistakes and they just hold on to the ball, they should be able to win that game within 20 or 30 minutes against Wales because, uh, as I've said earlier, the reality is for a lot of these teams who are barely professional, you know, I think Wales are actually one of the more professional of the teams outside of France, England and the Black Ferns. They will just not be able to live with the speed and the the handling and the physicality that the Black Ferns will bring. So the, the Black Ferns will just be too quick and too strong in all departments and you pass it to Portia and she'll <laughs> run around them all anyway. So. This is right. Well, and Wales only became fully professional this year. So, uh, I mean, it was great to see them play yesterday. Um Question, why did we not get to see Rita Ora play the halftime show on the TV? Did you get to see it? Was she good? Honestly, I was writing the whole time she was singing, um, so I didn't actually see that much of it, or at least taking notes. Um, I believe there was some broadcast, you know, copyright issue there. Joe, go well. Please get some rest. I know you're tired. Rest and recovery is important. All good. Thank you. The Black Caps are in full preparation mode for the upcoming T20 World Cup starting in Australia at the end of the week. They met Pakistan and Bangladesh in Christchurch over the weekend and staff reporter Brendan Egan was there. Kia ora, Brendan. Hi Zoe, how's it going? Good, a comprehensive eight-wicket win by the Black Caps over Bangladesh last night, but it wasn't without some drama with a spectator heading to hospital. What happened? Yeah, off the uh, very late in the game there, Glenn Phillips uh, had a six into the crowd and a poor uh, 12-year-old young girl, she was uh, struck just above the eye, so pretty unfortunate stuff there and um, you know she was assessed by a medical doctor at the ground and uh, went to a hospital last night for some um, observations, so yeah, it was pretty sickening stuff actually and a bit of a hollow way to finish the game. It's not nice to see that but it was quite incredible to see um, you know him come over and check on her and they had NZC staff there as well so I was like yeah it's not so nice when you're playing a game and something like that happens. Um, back to the action was it an improved performance by New Zealand after they lost to Pakistan on Saturday? It definitely was uh, an improved performance but um, you know the catching was was pretty poor again which was um, you know a feature of their play uh, against Pakistan on Saturday they dropped a uh, 
two absolute sitters, which, you know, if they do that at the World Cup in two weeks' time, it's going to absolutely hurt them. So that's uh, a big area they need to address heading into these next two games. Adam Milne, what's the latest with him? He got injured. Will he make it to the World Cup? Well, unfortunately, Adam Milne, he's always injured for the Black Caps. He just can't stay on the park. <laughs> it was actually his first game back after, um, you know, injuring himself back in July. So, yeah, he uh, he left the field and, um, yeah, his, his status is definitely up in the air. And, I mean, the Black Caps, they're, uh, they're battling for bodies at the moment. They've lost Daryl Mitchell potentially for the World Cup, who did his... Uh, hurt his finger on Friday and uh, yeah and Lockie Ferguson hasn't played in the tournament either one of the other quicks so yeah they're definitely a bit light on firepower and uh, they'll be praying and hoping that those guys are, are fit for the World Cup. Also this week is International Netball with the Constellation Cup and that's something that you're going to be covering for us Brendan. It's always you always got to love a good rivalry with Australia. We've got one international men's game and four silver ferns games. Um, has there been many changes since the Commonwealth Games where the ferns took home bronze? There has been quite a few changes to the ferns. Um, Amelia and Akinazio, she's back in the mix for the silver ferns. Obviously, didn't feature at the Commonwealth Games, so having her as uh, having her back is, is massive. She obviously kept in the silver ferns to the Constellation Cup victory over Australia last year, and just such an um, experienced player in that shooting end. So that's a big boost. And there's a few players on the fringes that Dame Nolene Tauru has uh, handed an opportunity to in this series. So it's it's going to be interesting to see whether they can step up and, and impress here and sort of uh, show what they've got in the series. Yeah, and what will the key focus be for Dame Nolan? It'll be all about getting players on court. I mean, she, she really wants, you know, Australia's the testing ground, isn't it? I mean, it's a massive step up. They're the benchmark in world netball. And you find out, you know, against Australia what these players can do and whether they're up to international netball. So it's going to be a, a, a real chance for her to look at these players on the fringes of the World Cup for the, for the tournament next year in South Africa to see whether they you know, whether they can make an impact and whether they can um, stand up against the uh, the might of Australia. Mm. And how will the men go? Um, battles between Australia and New Zealand on the men's side are very, uh, very closely fought and uh, very fierce. And I understand it's the first match between them in uh, 1,445 days. So with COVID and the pandemic, Whoa. it's been a long time since I've last played. So um, Australia... The men's side, they are very strong, but as we've seen with the men's uh, New Zealand men's team, they've uh, they've done very well against the Silver Ferns and uh, proved very formidable. So it should be um, should be a cracking uh, cracking series and cracking uh, match that one. Fantastic! Well, I can't wait to talk to you on Friday about all the latest from the cricket and the netball. Thanks so much, Brendan. Cool. Thanks, Zoe. Elsewhere on this weekend, Shane Van Gisbergen made history yesterday with a second Bathurst victory alongside teammate Garth Tander. This is his fifth victory at Bathurst. Van Gisbergen became the 22nd driver to win the great race more than once. It's also the final time we'll see Holden at Bathurst with Chevrolet Camaro replacing the Commodore in 2023. After the race, this is what the 33-year-old Van Gisbergen had to say. Yeah, that's pretty cool, but you're singling me out. Um, Garth's not here yet, but he, he won the race too. And it's a team effort and, and, a, and a fan effort, like all the support for Holden and stuff. It's special. I'm, I'm wrapped. <laughs> and David Long was there. Kia ora, David. Lovely to chat. Yeah, hi there, Zoe. How much of a big deal is Van Gisbergen's win? I guess it's big in a few ways. It pretty much seals a championship for him this year. Um, it's going to take a miracle now for him to get caught. Um, so back-to-back -back supercars titles. But it also further establishes Shane's status as one of the best supercars drivers has ever been. And how did the rest of the Kiwis go? Fabian Coulthard came second uh, as a co-driver for uh, Chaz Moster. That was his best ever finish uh, in the race. And... I guess the big story, really, from a New Zealand point of view uh, all weekend was how Greg Murphy and Richie Stanaway did, and they ended up finishing 11th. Um, there was mixed feelings from them 
inside the team afterwards. They were they went into it hoping for a top ten, even though that did seem a bit um, over optimistic because there were two wildcard drivers who hadn't driven in at supercars race for um, three years and eight years. But um, yeah, they were outstanding, and just to see. Uh, Richie Stenaway perform at that level after timeout um, was quite incredible, really, and, and shows that if he wants to, and if he, and that's still a big if about Richie, if he wants to race at this level, he's certainly still got the skills to do it. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to catching up with you more about that as the competition kicks off in just a few weeks. Thanks so much, David. No problem. It was a little tricky to find a bar playing the Rugby World Cup on Saturday night and not everyone where I was was there to watch the rugby. But there were a number of enthusiastic supporters and I asked them, why should we really care about women's sport anyway? The professional game's turned heads now, I reckon. The women are playing really well and they're good to watch, basically. Oh, I think women can do anything. Let's support them and make them the best they can be. It's all about the people. 50% of the people are women. Look at that, a sea of black. Now, that sort of crowd you would normally just associate it with just the All Blacks. To see that for the Black Ferns, finally, after how many World Championships they've held. And not surprisingly, Black Fern 7's player Michaela Blyde had a few thoughts on why we should care too. It's all about making it equal. We play rugby just as well as these men do. We create the numbers just as well as we do. It's just about promoting it. It's about getting us up there in more promoted areas, getting us on TV more, paying us equally. We work just as hard, if not harder. Black Fern's co-captain, Ruahe Damont, gave her thoughts. Firstly, I think that women's sport in general, not just women's rugby, but women's sport is way more unorthodox than men's sport. It's way more exciting. Um, it's a lot more entertaining, I think, because women, I think there's that courage, that bravery to try different things, um, no matter what sport they're playing, we're playing. Um, in particular, you know, our team in this World Cup, it's our, it's our number one sport, it's our national sport. Why wouldn't you come out and support us? It doesn't matter if we're men or women. Um, rugby is in our blood. And newest stuff sports columnist Honey Hidemi Smiler also had something to say. Because it's like really, really exciting and fun in the school and it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes when you're, when you watch sport, it can be a little bit boring and it, it drags out a little bit. But honestly, the the I suppose the evolution of the female sport and specifically rugby um, has come leaps and bounds. And, you know, I, I look at back when I first started and, and now the way the game's being played, uh, there's so much excitement, there's so much flair, you know, it's, it's a brand of rugby where you're jumping out of your seat and you're so excited and and also just the amount of talent that's going to be on display for this Rugby World Cup. We're going to have uh, people who we don't know right now are going to be household names when we realise how good they are. You know, And, and that's an exciting thing about this tournament. Like Honey, Sport New Zealand also thinks it's time to back our female athletes. They've even launched a new initiative after recent stats showed only one in three of us are regularly engaging with women's sport and more than half don't expect to engage in more women's sport over the next 12 months, whether that's watching on TV, attending matches, using social media or following media coverage. The awareness of female athletes is significantly lower than their male counterparts, particularly in team sports. This is what Sports New Zealand Chief Executive Raylan Castle had to say. 
Kia ora, Raylene. It's lovely to chat with you. Uh, the It's Time campaign. I guess I wanted to start by asking, why should we care about women's sport? <laughs> well, that's a, a great question. Sadly, one that we shouldn't have to ask. But the reality is we've got unbelievably great athletes that applying their uh, skill and expertise um, on the international stage. They're representing their country and it's a product that New Zealanders you know, can have great time engaging with. Sport is part of who we are as New Zealanders. It's part of our national identity. It offers so many good things, physicality, mental health, good health, social well-being. So why are women being left behind when it comes to this? Yeah, I'm not sure they are being left behind, Zoe, at the sort of, you know, community and opportunity level. So New Zealand females have opportunity to engage in the sports that they want to, particularly with the advent of, you know, new rugby and cricket competitions. So I think that's really great. I think what this campaign's about is saying there is still a gap between where the level of profile and uh, visibility, both in attendances to live games and also viewing on TV, is watching the male equivalent versus the female equivalent. And that this is an opportunity where it's in our backyard, it's in our country, it's in our time zone uh, and what we saw with cricket was as um, those sport watchers who love cricket started watching women's cricket, they fell in love with it because it's a great product. What we'd like is for those sports fans to give it an opportunity because they will also fall in love with these great athletes, be it in the in rugby and in, in Fast Five netball, ultimately as we move into FIFA uh, World Cup later next year. Mm. There's some interesting stats that have come out of the research today. Only one in three New Zealanders watch women's sport regularly. 53% of New Zealanders believe they won't change their behaviour in regards to how they engage with women's sport over the next 12 months. Those two statistics definitely jump out at me. I find it slightly mind-boggling. What was your reaction to seeing those statistics in regards to accessibility and engagement with women's sport? Well, I think it's that's the point of the campaign is, you know, give it a go. Like, open your mind to it, watch it, and what you'll find is that the amazing athletes playing the game in the way they play it. So it's not a direct comparison to the men's game because they have different skills. You know, the Black Ferns play a different style of rugby than the All Blacks do. The Football Ferns play a different style of football than the All Whites do. We saw it, as I said, in the Cricket World Cup and a number of my male friends that said they'd lost a sad day or a Sunday by sitting in front of the TV watching those great performances um, throughout that tournament. And that's the type of open-mindedness we'd like to bring to this. Give it a go because I reckon that you'll really enjoy it and you'll end up falling in love with the sport. Yeah, I've kind of always been on the mind frame that if you're a sports fan, you're a sports fan. And, you know, if you love rugby, you watch rugby or cricket in in the case of of Cricket World Cup that we've had recently, which was just incredible. It was just it was just epic. Having more visibility of women in sport is also beneficial to, you know, the commercialisation because sport is a business uh, in lots of ways, particularly elite level sport. And one of the things that I find when I talk to sponsors I find it quite fascinating. I was talking to a sponsor recently and they're like, hey, you're going to love this story. We're giving equal opportunity. We're sponsoring two men's teams and two women's teams. And isn't this great? And I was like, that's amazing. So is that equal funding as well? Is that equal money as well? And they're like, oh, uh, 
no, we thought you'd love this story. And I'm like, well, how much are the men getting compared to the women? And then they said that it was about the market and that there wasn't a market for women's sport. But we know that that's not true. So how by raising the awareness and visibility of women in sport, what does that mean for equality of funding and money going to female athletes and women's sport in general? At the end of the day, you know, market does drive investment. Um, and that there's no doubt that is, a, that is a fact. But as you start to grow the profile of the individuals, so we start to know um, the athletes, their stories, um, you know, how they've grown up to be a cricketer or a footballer or a netballer or a, a rugby player. You know, those uh, stories are what drives those outcomes. Would I expect that the women's level of professionalism would grow more quickly than the men's? Absolutely. But has it taken the men's game 100 years in inverted commas to get to the levels of, of commercial investment they've got to? Yes, in this, the soccers or footballs, the rugbys and the crickets that have dominant men's codes at the moment, I would start to see their investment and commercialisation grow uh, because of the baseline work that's been done around performance and presenting the product. Mm, and it was brilliant recently to see New Zealand cricket close that gender pay gap um, for match fees, which is just, you know, that's a huge step in the right direction. It shows that we value women in sport and that what they're bringing is just as important as what the men bring. And so hopefully with the boost of you know, coverage and engagement and visibility that we can start getting that equality, right? Yeah, that's right. I think my my message, Zoe, has always been that we need to build the house from um, its foundations, though, and that is the foundations around ensuring that our women have pathways from when they're five through to when they're you know, playing at the professional level. They uh, understand what good quality coaching looks like. They've got the strength and conditioning that they need. Um, they don't fund themselves. They, their um, high performance gets funded um, in the same way that the male uh, codes do. So that's the start point because that's actually what builds the solid um, structures and foundations. Um, and you can't you can't just suddenly start paying athletes at the top level um, unless there's a sustainable pipeline to create those athletes over a longer period of time. And women are different, you know, different things um, are priority for them. So, for example, um, you know, having funded family support so that your mother can travel to look after your um, young baby or your young children with you um, is a different kind of problem, perhaps, than what our male athletes. Uh, face. I was saying um, yesterday. I was talking um, on a similar subject, and you know, if there's not a huge amount of funding, maybe um, having um, paying for the house to be cleaned so that that's an hour that you can go out and do some training. Those are the types of conversations that we should be having. Certainly, you know, that's not a conversation when you're talking about cricket, who are at a mature level of of equal pay opportunities. But for some of the sports that are still emerging, um, those abilities to have some clear air to actually concentrate on training, um, having the kids looked after, having the house looked after um, and not having to dip into your own pocket are all of the baselines that we need to make sure that we're focusing on first. When we get those in place, then the actual commercial revenues will start to come. In other sports news, in the MPC quarterfinals, Bay of Plenty beat Waikato 34-27, Canterbury beat Northland 23-16, Wellington held out Hawke's Bay 28-21 and Auckland beat North Harbour 21-18. The Football Ferns lost 2-0 against Japan in a friendly match yesterday. The Phoenix drew one all with Adelaide United but only played with 10 men after midfielder Jan Sars was sent off for a reckless lunge in the 25th minute. 
Ben Wayne also completely destroyed the corner flag when he celebrated his goal. I think he might need to apologise to uh, the... The groundsman for that one. And New Zealand was part of the International Ice Hockey Federation's Global Girls Ice Hockey Game, a weekend-long global game of ice hockey for women and girls with players participating in Asia, Europe and the Americas. It turns out ice hockey is quite popular for women here in Wellington. I might have to give it a go. And that's the podium for October 10. Thank you, Joseph Pearson, Brendan Egan, Michaela Blyde, all the wonderful people who I met at the pub who were incredibly vocal while they were watching the Black Ferns, David Long, and thanks to Raylene Castle and Honey Hadami Smiler, to producers Jono Williams and Philippa Tolley, and sound editor Connor Scott. You can listen to the podium at stuff.co.nz forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll see you Friday. Until then, I'm Zoe George. Namihi, go well.